The work surrounding combating climate change will be difficult at times, but the undertaking is essential. My children and grandchildren and yours and the people of Maine are counting on us to act now. That was Governor Janet Mills, and you're listening to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Governor Mills and Senator David Woodson put forth a bill, LD 1679, that would establish a climate change council made up of scientists, municipal leaders, tribal representatives, and other stakeholders. This council would serve as an advisory board to guide the state in setting and implementing targets for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And in this episode of the podcast, we're featuring testimony delivered at the hearing for LD 1679, which happened on May 17th. Here is Governor Janet Mills. The challenge from our warming climate is real, and we must do our part to stem the worst impacts for the future of our state and of our children and grandchildren who will be left having to deal with the consequences of our inaction. So the time to act is now. This bill creates a permanent state climate council. It codifies it and charges it with leading Maine's efforts to reduce greenhouse emissions by 45% by 2030 and at least 80% by 2050. Now, it's easy to set goals on paper, to pass laws that say we should do this, we should do that. Implementing it is a whole other thing, and that's what this Climate Council will be tasked with doing. It's a huge issue affecting all sectors of our economy and our people's lives. The Council will be charged with putting together a plan that supports Maine's jobs and Maine workers in the transition to a clean energy economy. Maine has incredible wind, solar, biomass, and greater energy efficiency potential, including weatherization. And we can create good-paying jobs for Maine people by reducing emissions and expanding our clean energy economy. I note, for instance, in Massachusetts, there are nearly 16,000 people, many of them young people, millennials, to me that's young, working on just on, in solar uh, energy issues. And in Maine, we have fewer than 600. You know, it's part of our economic strategy to bring young people back to Maine, and this is part of that. So from offshore wind technology being developed at the University of Maine to the new wood fiber insulation manufacturer going into the Madison Mill, clean energy jobs can greatly benefit our economy. But we need to begin training the younger generation and training our current workforce, retraining for this evolving economy. At the same time, we need to prepare our communities for the impacts of climate change and make our state and its infrastructure more resilient in the face of climate changes ahead. The Climate Council will be also tasked with developing strategies to prepare our communities and our state's vulnerable industries. Planning now is key to avoid much greater costs and consequences down the road. I will add, we're not trying to end any industries or put, an, put a stop to any particular enterprises in Maine. We're proposing to help diversify existing industries and our workforce. The council will include commissioners, legislators, key state leaders, science and technical experts, business and nonprofit leaders, municipal officials, a tribal representative, and a representative of Maine youth, among others. I'm not sure how we're going to pick that one main youth, but we'll give it a try. I'm sure there'll be plenty of volunteers. The more, the better. The council will establish a scientific and technical subcommittee so that our state's leading scientists can provide accurate, up-to-date, and relevant data to inform the council's recommended actions and policies. Other work groups will include transportation, electricity and energy, buildings and infrastructure, working lands, and coastal and marine issues. Each of these sectors, as you well know, has its own challenges and each requires different experts to come together and weigh various solutions. 
The work surrounding com combating climate change will be difficult at times, but the undertaking is essential. My children and grandchildren and yours and the people of Maine are counting on us to act now. Things are changing whether we, we will them or not, whether we prepare for them or not. And my view is we have to help diversify the industries. We have to help prepare for change. And this council does just that. Despite the daunting challenges, there are opportunities for our state's economy and our workers ahead in this transition. And so I look forward to working with every one of you on this committee and across the aisle and in each chamber on this crucial effort. And I hope you vote ought to pass on this important legislation. Thank you. Thank you, Governor Mills. And the next person to testify is Senator David Woodsum, who calls for bipartisan action on addressing climate change. My name change. is Senator Dave Woodsum. I represent District 33 in York County. And I'm here to present LD 1679, the Governor's Bill to Create the Maine <clears throat> Climate Council. The Governor and I are in different parties, and we certainly don't agree on everything. And I'm beginning to realize that we, there's a lot of people here that don't agree with anybody. So, <clears throat> um, But we agree that climate change is an issue our state needs to face, and we agree that this issue does not need to be about Republicans or Democrats. The governor and I also agree that energy generation, energy efficiency, and new technologies can grow good jobs for our state if done right. I support the governor's proposed climate council because in my lifetime, I have noticed changes in our environment. I'm 73 years old. I was raised on a small farm in a logging family, and I own 80 acres of woodland, fields, and pasture. I've raised my own food for most of my life, <clears throat> beef, pork, poultry, eggs, and vegetables, and I cut my own firewood until I foolishly became a state senator. <laughs> when you live off the land, you notice changes. We're hearing from more and more people in Maine, the lobster fishermen to farmers, that they are see, seeing changes in Maine's environment as well. I taught high school for 35 years. Several of those years, I taught environmental issues. I had some knowledge and interest in the changes occurring in the weather, and my students shared that interest. We know there are natural climate <clears throat> cycles at play. But we also know that man-made industrial pollution has caused unprecedented warming. And we are starting to see extreme storm events, warmer summers, and changing weather as a result. In my time in Augusta, I've served as a member of the chair of the <clears throat> Utilities and Energy Committee, Technology Committee. We've worked to encourage fair energy policies, renewable energy, and weatherization programs. I believe the strategies required to fight climate change can be encourage new industries and jobs. I also believe that we can do a better job to help Maine people save money and be more comfortable in their homes. I urge this committee to pass this bill and I work forward to working with all the people on both sides of the aisle. Thank you very much. Dave Cousins is a commercial lobsterman and he's the next person you'll hear from. Our podcast is titled Frontline Voices, and Dave is quite literally on the front lines of what it means to work in a natural resource-based economy that is directly influenced by a changing climate. And I think that listening to his testimony is a reminder that taking concrete steps on climate change and addressing it is actually an opportunity for supporting and growing Maine's economy. Here's Dave. My name is David Cousins. I've been a commercial lobsterman since 1980 when I graduated from college, and I'm here to tell you to tell you some of the changes I've seen in the Gulf of Maine uh, that aren't positive in my views. 
When I started in 1980 fishing, fishing, you had to want a lobster to go lobstering because there wasn't any money in it and it was hard work and you didn't make much. But I loved it. I went to school to be a teacher, but I just said, no, nope, I'm going to try lobstering. So I've been doing it ever since. I have seen, I've kept track of water temperature in Penobscot Bay, in front of my house, South Thomaston, for, since 1980. And what I have seen is the temperatures in the summer start in 1980s, or through probably 85, 86, they didn't change much. And it was, uh, if you saw a 60 degree Fahrenheit, that was really warm. For one or two days in the summer, that was unusual. In the 90s, things started changing quite rapidly. And we started seeing temperatures go from 58, 59 to 60, 61. And, you know, for longer periods of time, for not just a day or two, but for a month, which was unusual. And then in 2000s, it really jumped. It went from 62 to 64 degrees for months at a time. In 2012 and 2014, the water temperature is above 60 degrees from the 4th of July to like the 18th of October. That is a drastic change in 40 years. It's unbelievable. I mean, geology things happen over eons, not over decades. And so my concern is what we've, what we've done with this water temperature is you don't have to look too far to the south to see what it's done to the lobster industry. Below Cape Cod in the 1999, which is only 20 years ago, they caught 30 million pounds commercially of lobster. Last year, they caught less than 1 million pounds. They do not have a commercial viable operation down there now. They have people that are fishing the canyons offshore that are catching a few lobsters, but all the inshore boats are done. They're not, they're not even fishing. A few are welking, but that's it. So I believe this is probably the most, the hottest topic we can have right now is climate change in the world, not Maine, not in the country, but for the world. We all live on this planet. We all need to do our job to make sure that it's habitable for my kids, because I have three sons that are lobster, and I'd like to be able to see them do that throughout their career. I don't know if they're going to be able to. But this is something that is not political, one party or the other, one country or the other. It's global. And what we need to do is we need to come together, and we need to find solutions, technological solutions for renewable energy, clean energy, and we need to get, as you spoke earlier, the carbon in the atmosphere lower, not higher. I was told, when 2050, we were going to hit 400. We've already hit over 400 parts per million in the atmosphere. That is not a positive thing. So I see my time's up. So the only thing I'd summarize this is we can all, to answer your question and your question, I think, we all have to work together. And what Maine can do, you've got, you got to look at it this way. We can either try our best to mitigate the effects of this, or we can get in the truck, stomp on the pedal, and drive her right off the cliff. I would rather try to work on it for the future. The final testifier of our podcast is Lisa Pullman, NRCMC CEO. Here's Lisa. My name is Lisa Pullman. I am the CEO of the Natural Resources Council of Maine. NRCM strongly supports LD 1679. We think it is the right vehicle to jumpstart Maine's efforts to tackle climate change in ways that will benefit Maine people, our environment, and our economy. This bill put forward by Governor Mills and Senator Woodsum helps get the state of Maine reoriented so it can tackle climate change because we need targets for reducing greenhouse gas emissions that are based in science, 
a pathway for achieving a statewide plan that will turn these targets into action, a planning and coordinating body, which is the new Climate Council, that will ensure a wide range of main voices are heard and included in creating the action plan, and measures to ensure the state government lives up to its promise to implement the plan. If enacted, LD 1679 would be the most significant climate-related policy measure adopted in Maine since 2003. The targets to reduce emissions 80% and get 100% of our power from renewable sources by 2050 will provide a strong framework for action. NRCM has also collaborated with the governor's staff to incorporate the appropriate leverage to make sure that this climate plan endures into the future, no matter what governor is in the Blaine House. We note that LD 1679 aligns with many of the provisions in a bipartisan bill, LD 797, introduced by Representative Tucker and Senator Bob Foley, that received widespread support here in this committee room from a diverse group of Mainers, including lobstermen, farmers, local businesses, religious groups, and conservation groups, including NRCM. Climate scientists have for decades predicted the extreme weather and changes to our oceans that so many Mainers are experiencing firsthand. One of my staff just was out last week due to a tick-borne illness. I've had the first tick of the season on me last weekend, and you're right. This isn't as big of a deal as it used to be, but boy, when I moved to Maine in 1979, it was there were no ticks, and now I see them everywhere I go. The signs of climate change are bearing down upon us, and I'm relieved that we have a governor now who takes this issue very seriously. I also want to note that in order to make needed progress on climate change, we need many major specific clean energy policies that are being debated right now. For example, the renewable energy targets in LD 1679 are positive, but to make them a reality, we need to also support LD 1494 and act to reform Maine's renewable portfolio standard now before the EUT committee, which will help Maine do our part in the Northeast region to transition toward a more diverse, reliable, and cleaner electric mix. So we're grateful to the governor, to Senator Woodsum, for taking this seriously, for being leaders, and hope that you will vote ought to pass on LD 1679. After the hearing, I spoke with Lisa and NRCM's outreach coordinator, Sophie Janeway, about what you can do if you want to support this bill. Passing this bill is one step and one critical part of taking action on climate change in Maine. We are poised to take the most meaningful action on climate change that we have witnessed in over a decade. But right now, we really need people to speak up and contact their legislators about the importance of taking action. There are other policies in play that are going to help us reach these goals that this bill would set, including um, a comprehensive solar energy bill focusing on small, medium, and large-scale distributed generation, community solar, and increasing access to solar for Mainers across the state. What's that bill called? LD1711 is a comprehensive solar energy bill, uh, which would increase access to solar energy uh, for all Mainers and help all Mainers capture the benefits of solar energy. And LD1494 would be updating Maine's renewable portfolio standard to 80% by 2030, which is really in line with where we need to get to on climate change and how we can drive renewable energy growth in the state that's benefiting our environment and our economy. Um, and so some of these tools are how we are going to meet these goals that the governor's bill on climate is 
putting forth. That's one of the things that we have uh, at NRCM we've seen for a long time is in order to tackle climate change, we really need to overhaul our energy policy in the state. We have a great opportunity now with Governor Mills uh, making climate change such a priority to do just that. It will take, you know, it will take many different decisions and many different arms of, of this to, um, to make it happen. All of these are steps in the right direction and there's going to need to continue to be steps year after year in order to make sure that we get where we need to get as fast as we can. And the governor's uh, climate bill 1679 sets the framework and gives us a place to go. It's very, very exciting to have a governor take climate change very seriously. Thank you to everyone who testified in support of the governor's climate bill or submitted written comments in support. It ultimately did make a difference because the bill passed unanimously with bipartisan support in the Environment and Natural Resources Committee. And next, the bill will go to the House and Senate for a vote. If you'd like to learn more about LD 1679 and the other bills that Sophie mentioned, please visit our website at www.nrcm.org. That's also where you can find more information about how to contact your legislators to ask them to support this bill and the rest. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.